Hello and welcome to this Nobody Reads Oh Wait Yes They Do podcast. I'm sorry it's been a couple of months since I've recorded a new episode, but I have a real treat in for you, my 13 listeners, wherever you are, probably myself included, out there. So today we're going to talk about Louisa May Alcott, and we're not going to talk about Little Women, great book, great miniseries, so many great movies about Little Women. We're going to talk about the characters that Louisa envisioned before Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy, and Marmy. So who we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about two vastly different characters, Edith Adelon from The Inheritance, one of the lost but found Louisa May Alcott manuscripts, and Rosamund Vivian from another lost but found Louisa May Alcott manuscript. Both were not published until the 90s when there was an explosion and excitement around Louisa May Alcott. Now, one interesting idea to start with is that both books, the the books I'm referring to are The Inheritance, which was written in 1849, and A Long Fatal Love Chase, which was written in 1866, have a unique claim to fame. Both book covers claim to be Louisa May Alcott's first book. However, since they weren't published until the 90s, is that really true? And I'll argue whether or not at least The Inheritance was ever meant to be published if Louisa herself intended to publish it. So we'll start there with that book um, because it's so fun and it's very interesting and it's a really quick read. So I've owned this book for 18 years. I have the original 1997 copy uh, that was published by Penguin. I also have a Penguin Classic version, which I love um, Penguin Classics, Oxford Classics, uh, you name it. I love anything with a good introduction. Um, so I did pick up that copy to complement my reading of this book. So one really important thing to note in 1849, Louisa was 17, and this book really reflects a 17-year-old, a brilliant 17-year-old, but a 17-year-old nonetheless. And the book is based in England. If you've seen the made-for-TV movie, which was like based in Kentucky or someplace like that, nope, very different. This book is placed, um, takes place in England, and you get the sense that Louisa may have been reading some Anne Radcliffe um, some Northanger Abbey or some Jane Austen, because there are definitely some essences in that. And um, the key thing about this novel is it's a sentimental novel. It's a virtue novel. Nothing in this book is um, terribly shocking, which is very different from the other book that we're going to discuss today. So one um, couple things about The Inheritance. I feel bad because if people read it and it's the only book they read by Louisa May Alcott, of course they're not going to be a fan of her. Um, the book is very simple. The characters are somewhat one-dimensional. Remember, she was 17 when she wrote this. This was written in Concord. And the book is an incredible study of a, an impressionable, impressionable mind. I don't think from just my 
thought process that Louisa ever intended to publish this. Why did it not surface until 1997? It had been sitting in the Alcott's family papers. Um, so one thing to note, if you pick up a copy of the 1997 edition, it doesn't offer any special features aside from being inappropriately 177 pages. So again, really quick read. The um, quick note about the Penguin Classic version is it does offer a nice introduction, provides some valuable historical context. And unlike Love Chase, which will, that's my shortened version of a long fatal love chase, the novel is short, simple, and very virtuous. Um, both uh, books tend to be a bit overly dramatic. They're like the 19th century version of a soap opera, but the tone of the two novels couldn't be more different. And again, if you read um, Little Women, I would read that book first. If you're going to read one um, Louisa May Alcott novel, read Little Women. Don't read these two novels. However, when I was young, I started out and read um, A Long Fatal Love Chase when that came out in 1994. When I was really young, I was younger than um, Louisa when she wrote um, The Inheritance. But anyway, I digress. So we're going to talk a little bit about Edith Adelon, she is an Italian orphan and working in a household. And basically, I'm going to spoil the novel. It's in the title. She's really the inheritor of the estate which she is working in. So Edith, uh, she reminds me a lot of a Radcliffian heroine or a Jane Austen heroine, but just slightly more one-dimensional. She's exceedingly virtuous. And her goodness outweighs her own self-preservation at times. Literally, um, it's really hard to imagine somebody this good. And that's kind of awful to say. I bet there, and I do believe there are people out there that are that good. Amy Dorrit, which was featured in a previous podcast, um, Amy and Edith would be like best buds because they really look out, look for respect, look for dignity, look for virtue, um, and would never do anything that would threaten that. And oddly enough, I would give Alcott's debut novel, uh, if you're calling it a debut novel, even though she didn't intend to publish it, The Inheritance to a Young Person. It, it really presents a beautiful and innocent view of what love should be without the messiness of what it actually could be. So um, another thing to note about Alcott's existence, granted this book was written before the Civil War, before she had nursed people um, and seen horrors. Uh, at the time, Alcott's life wasn't easy. She'd grown up with some of the greatest intellectual minds of the 19th century in Concord, but her life had come with some major tri tribulations. I really have to do a little more homework on Louisa May Alcott, but uh, something just tells me that this book was very much an escape for Louisa May Alcott. At the time, I'm pretty sure it was either around the time that her father, this famous educator, took the whole family to this place called Fruitlands, where they were going to start a commune 
and live in this utopia in Massachusetts. So a couple problems with that is that they ended up starving and having to move back to Concord. And by the grace of the universe or God, um, they were okay. But it, it came at a really difficult time. And I have a sneaking suspicion that Louisa wrote this book around that time frame. And I just can imagine a young person who's hungry, like writing through, writing out this virtuous woman that is Edith. And, and as a reminder to herself of like the positivity to get through this hardship. So it's just kind of fun to like talk a little bit about that, to imagine Louisa May Alcott at 17 uh, with her family Again, I need to do a little more homework. I do have a author signed copy of Eden's Outcast, which is about Louisa and her dad. And we are birthday buddies. So, um, yeah, so it's interesting. I've always felt a very special kinship to Louisa. So we're going to pause for a moment and switch gears a little bit to a long fatal love chase. So switching gears a little bit, we're going to talk about a long, fatal love chase. And uh, like I said before, this book was published first in 1994 in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hardcover edition, um, which was great because some of the proceeds from that hardcover edition went to Orchard House, which... Again, a quick plug, if you haven't been to Orchard House, which is one of the places where Louisa May Alcott grew up in Concord, Massachusetts, you really need to go. You can make a day of it. It's right near Walden Pond. It's right near Concord Center. It's right next to um, where Nathaniel Hawthorne and Sophia Hawthorne lived. Again, um, it's it's just a great place. It's a great day. It's worth um, a small donation to attend and to go there. So quick plug there. So flash forward to 1866 when A Long Fatal Love Chase was written. Uh, this book is would be, it was called A Pot Boiler um, because it was meant to, you know, pay the rent. It was meant to be like a Pulp Fiction kind of novel. Um, it's so different, could not be more different from the other book that we talked about, The Inheritance. And, um, another big difference is that it seems like Louisa did intend to publish this. So there are some censored versions and some uncensored versions. And I think the one that is published and out there now, um, you can either find that 2007 paperback a mass market book or the 1994 beautiful cover, um, hardcover version of the book. Uh, so this was found, this was sitting in, I think, Houghton Library at Harvard. Um, and a headmaster found this manuscript and was like, Hey, it's Louise May Alcott. And basically he bought this manuscript for more than what he was getting paid because he saw that this great value in it. And I absolutely 
100% agree. So if you look back and you think about where Louisa was in her life, it's 1866. Uh, The Civil War has ravaged the United States. And um, if you know anything about Louisa May Alcott, she uh, wrote some hospital sketches about her experience as a nurse during the Civil War. And um, the Civil War on her life had some really uh, horrific lasting effects, which I won't go into too much detail. But at this point in her life, uh, she'd spent, I believe, a year traveling Europe. Wait, it's not that exciting. As a companion to um, another person who uh, had some accessibility issues, uh, probably had a disability. And when she came back, her family, they were in dire straits. So she had to write something and she had to write something quickly. And it's exciting to see that she took... um, some inspiration from her recent travels throughout Europe. So uh, in the book, there are some lovely scenes and places. And um, I'm not surprised why it wasn't published because as a woman publishing this content in the United States uh, probably would have been scandalous. One of the, the lines in the book is, quote, I'd gladly sell my soul to insert a really bad, the most evil person for a year of freedom, end quote. So I don't like to say, um, that individual's name, but so, and then somebody shows up in her life and that if you have the 1997, uh, the 2007 rather version, the cover is really simplistic. It shows like it's in blue, a dark blue. And on the cover, it's like, you're literally buying a beach read it says he stalked her every step from she for she had become his obsession so this book it's like it's dramatic um when louisa looked to publish it she called it a modern mephistopheles i probably didn't say that right mephistopheles or something like that okay anyway so i googled who mephistopheles was and he basically was a demon. Um, so the book got changed to a long fatal chase that got changed to a long fatal love chase. Hmm. Some interesting thoughts on that. And um, this book was rejected and Louisa went back, censored it, changed some things up, and then it still was rejected. Poor Louisa. Um, but two years later, Little Women became that huge success for Louisa. So perhaps this was a blessing in disguise. And if anyone recalls, I said I wasn't going to talk about Little Women. There is um, a moment in Little Women that she's writing this kind of like blood and thunder book, but um, it ends up being that she should write more from what's true. But being a dramatic person myself, I really appreciated this book. And this was one book that I read as a young person, I don't think I understood it. So it was a lot of fun to come back and read it again as an adult and be like, whoa. So, and, and just having more knowledge. So at this point, I'm going to warn you, I'm going to go into some major spoilers if you're wanting to read it. Um, this, this book doesn't have a movie version, although one would be fun. Hint, hint, Hollywood out of my 13 people who are listening. Um, But yeah, I'm just going to talk a bit about the plot. So this book, um, 
And just one more side note, I apologize. This book, it's great to start reading if you have um, a recording of Schubert's Rosamund Quartet, String Quartet. Oh, such a lovely piece of music. And it's so emotive. It's so layered and it's so like classically emo. And this book is, is emo. It's just dark. It reads like a young adult novel and, um, yeah, a young adult novel with some really important, uh, metaphors and allusions to things that the kids these days, they can just look up using Google back when I read it. I don't think we had Google or Google might've just been starting out. But anyway, so the book starts on a lonely island in England, and this young woman, Rosamond Vivian, lives with her cruel grandfather on the island, and it's a remote island, so you kind of have to, like, eliminate a little bit of reality or just say it's, it's just not mentioned, but they had figured it out. Like, there's a little bit of logic here. The, like, island's in England, it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, how do they get food? How is, you know, how, how do people live in one house on a lonely island? Um, I kind of imagine this as like the Herbides in Scotland. Um, I kind of have to Google more British islands to see where this book could possibly take place. But aside from that, it's, it's, it's cool. So anyway, poor Rosamund Vivian, Rosamund is her name. Her last name is Vivian. She is just bored. I mean, who would blame her? She's on this remote island with her grandfather, who's a bit of a curmudgeon. He's cruel. He's not nice. And she's this beautiful young woman. And lo and behold, after she says that quote, I gladly sell my soul, dot, 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 a handsome, mysterious man shows up whose name is Philip Tempest, and he shows up on a ship called the Circe. Whoa, the Circe. So a couple things here. If you look up Circe on Wikipedia, or you read that new best-selling novel, Circe, you might have some thoughts on that Greek goddess. I haven't read Circe yet, the new novel, but I'm going to. Anyway, so according to Wikipedia, you know, great source, Circe is kind of the archetypal predatory female. Um, one of the legends says that she turned her rival into a monster. So Rosamond, you know, clue one, hmm, Philip may not be a good guy. Clue number two is Philip's last name is Tempest. I love Tempest. So this could be an allusion to Shakespeare. But a tempest is like a terrible storm. So clue number two or foreshadowing is, hmm, maybe you don't want to go with this guy. But anyway, they fall in love. He sweeps her away. They get married. Everything seems great until it doesn't. And this is where, because it's been about a year or two since I've read this, that I'm not going to go into full details because I don't remember them. But basically, uh, poor Rosamond, she thinks she's married to this guy. Hmm. Lo and behold, uh, this young boy that she met on the boat turns out to be Philip's son and that he's already married. Dun, dun, dun. 
And so she's basically a mistress, which, as we all know, in the 19th century, that's definitely a no-no. It's still a no-no. But at the end of the day, this wasn't her fault that she became a mistress or that she was, um, you know, because she was tricked into a sham marriage. Like, he arranged it so she would think that he was married. So to Rosamond's credit, the first thing she does when she discovers that he's already married Um, and there were things leading up to this, like she was realizing like, he's a cruel guy. He's a jerk. He is this, I hate this word, but a libertine, like loose and everything very like just not a good person. He is, seeks the pleasures of life as opposed to virtue and good things. So Rosamond to her credit escapes. And that's when the quote unquote love chase begins. So she's like in a tough spot. She loves this man, but she knows he's evil. And so throughout the rest of the book, again, you go to these fun, crazy places and Rosamund gets these cool disguises. She befriends this man, Father Ignatius, and they have this intense relationship that is not like a romantic one, but had Father Ignatius not been a Roman Catholic priest, perhaps they would have been in love or had a relationship. And it sounds that's like there's a tension there throughout the book because um, Rosamond and Ignatius, they love each other. So this happens for two years, like two years, two years. Uh, Philip continues to pop up and try to seduce her and try to win her back, but in an awful way. And he's, he's awful. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's obsessive. He's a stalker. Like, it's just awful. And he's always on his ship, the Circe. And he will stop at no lengths. Um, There's this one crazy part of the novel where him and Ignatius get into a fight. Ignatius really is like a partner and a protector of of, uh, Rosamond and tries to help her out. And they're in this, like, duel. And... Ignatius gets the upper hand, but then lets him go because he's a priest and you can't kill somebody if you're a priest. Um, so long story short, I'm going to super spoil the novel. Uh, Rosamond ends up dying. Worst book ever. I remember reading this and being like, what? In high school. No happy ending. That's awful. What a terrible book. I wasted my time. But and looking back, like that's back in the day when I didn't realize that books didn't always have happy endings. Um, it was just really interesting how it all played out and a lot of drama, a lot of drama. So again, the two differences back to the inheritance versus a long fatal love chase. If you're going to argue that, uh, the inheritance is Louisa May Alcott's first novel. It is, but I don't, she never intended for public eyes to see it. Like, If she had, she would have made some efforts to publish it, I assume. A Long Fatal Love Chase is a bit different because she did try to sell this book in 1866. And it does have a lot of like, you know, uh, racy things in it. (laughs) Um, Racy, 19th century racy. But anyway, um, great if you're looking for like an exciting young adult novel, A Long Fatal Love Chase. Or just a novel as an adult to read, A Long Fatal Love Chase. Okay, 
So we're going to wrap. Okay, so we're going to wrap this very long podcast up. I hope you found it interesting and enjoyable. And I'm going to talk just some final closing thoughts. Uh, For those of you who have Amazon subscriptions, there was this really cheesy, I think, two-season show back in the 90s that appeared on PAX TV and uh, CTV in Canada called Little Men, which was loosely based on Louisa May Alcott's works. Uh, Yeah, super loosely based but quite enjoyable, and you may recognize some TV characters when they were really young. So just, again, Louisa Mayalcote was just super popular in the 90s, and Canada does look like New England. It really does. The foliage is gorgeous. And so after, you know, hearing about a long fatal love chase, you may want to go check out Little Men. It's it's on Prime Video, I think. Um, it's on some other subscriptions that you can get streaming. One final thing to note is that, no, I have not received any financial con- uh, contributions for this podcast. Uh, my thoughts are my own. And uh, with some research from Wikipedia and my own musings. So thanks again. We're going to close with a small clip from the Rosamond String Quartet. Have a wonderful day and happy reading.